Okay, let's get started with this year's Parshas Mishpatim, Tavshin Ayin Vav. And this year's Shir is sponsored by my parents, Lila Nishmas, my grandfather, Rav Michal Shimon Ben Harav Yaakov Eskalski, Rabbi Mitchell Eskalski, who was a Rav on the Lower East Side of the Bialystoker, one of the leading figures of the Orthodox community in the 40s and the 50s, really a major inspiration. I never knew him, but an inspiration in my life and all the Torah that we, uh, that we learned tonight should be an Eloi for his Nishama. So let's get into Parshat Mishpatim, jam-packed from beginning to end. Uh, in the days of some of the Rishonim, it was split up into two. It's so jam-packed. The Sefer Achinach has Parshat Mishpatim and Parshat Mkesav Talva, but we have it all together. Parshat Mishpatim. We'll start off with one small thought I think we mentioned years ago, but it's worthwhile to review, and that's the thought of the Grah. A classic Grah that we have in source number one, and then we'll get into some of the uh, other Inyanim. So the Gorah tells us in Parachafalav, Pasachafdalid, we know the Torah tells us that if somebody wounds someone else, the halacha is Ayin Tachas Ayin. An eye for an eye. Shein Tachas Shein, Yod Tachas Yod, etc. And the Gemara in Baba Kama tells us Ayin Tachas Ayin should not be taken literally. We do not believe, as the Hammurabi Code did, that it should be taken literally, but Ayin Tachas Ayin is money. That's what the Gemara tells us in Mesechus Baba Kama that one has to pay money for putting out an eye. So says the Gra, there's even an allusion to the Torah, in the Torah Shebechsav. The Gemara has the Torah Shebechsav, the Gemara in the 8th parak of Baba Kama. But the Gra says, if you look at the Pasuk, Ayin, Tachas Ayin, says the Gra, if you look, you want to know what to do for Ayin? Tachas Ayin. Go under Ayin, Ayin Yudun. If you look at the letter after Ayin, after Kaf, after Nun, in the Aleph base, you have a pei, you have a kaf, and you have a samach. Move around the letters, kesef. Ayin, you want to know what to do for ayin? Tachas ayin. Look under the ayin and comes out kesef, and in that way you know, im lakach ayin, says the gra, yitayin asmacha tachas ha'ayin to hu ha'kesef. Okay, so that gets us started, and now let's get into some of the other, some of the other topics. Says the... Torah, we start off, as we know, with the halachas of Avadim, and then halachas of Geneva and Gezela, so much of Torah she, Ben Adam Lachavero is here, but let's go to Perach Avbeis, Pasig Yud Zayin. Well, Baba Kam and Baba are in the Rashis here, says the Torah three words, a very short Pasig, Mechashefa lo someone who practices witchcraft, lo that is an Isser, any form of magic. There are many Isurim in the Torah that are related to this, but there's, this is the Pasuk of Kishuf. And there is a major Machlokas Rishonim that we have mentioned in other, in the name of other Rishonim, but this year we'll see it through the eyes of Rabbeinu Bachai. Rabbeinu Bachai quotes a major, fundamental, philosophical Machlokas, how to understand this Isur. What is the Torah Asuring? What is the Torah saying is forbidden? Says Rabbeinu Bachai, source number two. In Yina Kishuf, Kishuv, using certain powers, is putting together items that don't belong together. Putting together powers that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created that shouldn't be together. And if we connect powers below in this world... As we know, everything in this world has a parallel in the upper worlds, in the upper spheres. Like we know in the positive realm, as Rav Chaim Yivalajan discusses, the power of every mitzvah in this world, the unbelievable effects it has in Shamayim in the next world. But Rachman al-Islan in the other way as well. A strange, unwanted effect could be had. Says Rabbeinu Bachai, the approach of a number of Rishonim. In this group, approach number one is, there's power to Kishuf. It's real. There's something that is created. When we talk about what was going on in Mitzrayim, they did have certain powers. It wasn't just all sleight of hand. The Isser Kilayim no Telazexas. This is connected to the Isser that we have later on in the Torah of Kilayim. Kiyum Ma'arbev HaKochos Lamala. Hashem created something separate. He wants it separate. He allows, he doesn't interfere every time somebody does something wrong and somebody abuses certain entities that exist in this world, but it's us, sir. 
Vachibur bahem mazik ma'od. And the chibur, the connection of items which shouldn't be connected, like shatnis, like kilayim, but in the realm of kishuf, that causes tremendous damage. Vihinei, chartumei mitzrayim, ikr chachmasam, ayayinyin ha-kishuf. Says Rabbein Abachai, the ikr chachma, the ikr wisdom of the chartumim. Remember the Midrashim say, after Moshe Rabbeinu changed the stick into a snake, they say, what, you're, what, you're bringing uh, dirt to a place which has so much dirt? What are you doing? You think you're impressing us? That is all approach number one. You know why it's usser? Because Hashem doesn't want you to do it. Yes, it's possible. Yes, it has effects. But don't do it. Not everything that is possible is allowed in the world of the Torah. And Chazal even say, Why is it called Kishuf? Shemachishim. The Kaf and the Shin have to do with weaken. We put things together. What opposite and against what's supposed to be. That is all approach number one. And he quotes on line 10. This is his, the Ramban Shita, the Ramban in many places talks about and discusses. The Ramban, much influenced by Kabbalah, there are powers there. There are dark forces and the Torah says, don't use them. But Rabbeinu Bachai says, there's another approach in the Rishonim, and he quotes it from Rabbeinu Hananel, from Mesech Hedrin, and this is the Rambam's approach as well. When the Torah says, certain halachos or asr, whether that's ov, or yitoni, or kishuf, or many of them involved, it doesn't mean that you can really accomplish anything. The Torah might asr you trying to do something, thinking that you're doing something, even though it really doesn't have any effect. Says Rabbi Nechananel, in his commentary, he quotes it on line 11, Machishim, nirin, ki'ilu machishin. It appears as if there is some effect. Va'amar, but he says, ki'ein l'kshafim pu'ula, ki'es ma'shayigzar Hashem yisbarach. There's really no such thing as kishuf. When you try to do something, it's really not. It's really nothing mahuti. Nothing really changes. The imtish, I'll skip two lines. But if, if it's not true, if nothing happens, then what's the avera? What's the iser? The imtish, I'll. Kivan she'en l'kshafim pu'ula. Ela b'makam sh'akadosh baruch hu gozer. Lama sarta Torah. V'lama chiva misal machashef. Right? If it's true, then why did Hashem aser it? And this, this, this view has svara difficulty and text difficulty. If you read certain stories, like the story of Shaul and the witch of Endor, it seems like there's something going on. It doesn't seem like it's a vision, like it's a, it's a dream that he's having. So to say this type of approach, one must be influenced by their convictions. This can't be. There's nothing, I'm going to not allow it to happen. So then the question is, so why is it us, sir? Vahatam explains Rabbeinu Bachai, because you're still going against what Hashem wants. Even trying to do something. Not every Avera that we do, do we accomplish something. Sometimes we could try to do something, and just the trying is what is the problem. There is a machlokas, a discussion in the Rishonim. If somebody tries to be Makadesh Chayve Krisos, somebody goes to their sister and really has Kavana to marry, is that Aser? It doesn't work. If a Kohen tries to do that to a Grusha, it works. They're married. But some marriages don't work. Says the, I, and it's Aser. It might be included in the Isra of the Makadesh Chayve Krisos. Says Rabbein Abachai, it's the same type of idea. It doesn't have to work to have an effect to be forbidden. And this is what Rabbi Nechanan, and this is what the Rambam would say as well. Umipnei, why did we need this here? In Parshas Mishpatim at Arsinai. Umipnei she Yisrael hayu murgalim b'chach mahazos. The mechashvim, the chartumim in Mitzrayim, they were great at faking it, according to this approach. They were great at doing things that looked like kishuf. So Bnei Yisrael might have been drawn to that. Hashem says, mechashef alo sechaya. We're starting afresh. We're starting new. It's something that people love magic. We're like, yeah, how do you do that? Oh, it's amazing. We're, we're drawn to it because we like the supernatural. 
Al Kain Hutzrach Akasav Limnoamehem Isur Lasar Achachmazos. The Torah answers it. Not only doesn't say it's Asr, it says in bold print, doesn't say Machamesha Mostamos, Lo Sachaya. Don't let her live, man or woman. Says Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, two approaches to understand the Pasuk. It's Asr, but why is it Asr? Because there are powers, or don't even think that there are powers. And this Machlokas obviously has many other ramifications in other areas of how to view certain other areas of how to interpret various Gemaras, how to interpret various stories in the Torah. But this Machlokas, here at least, its application is how to understand Mechashef Alosachai. Okay, moving right along. Let's go a couple of Psukim later. And so many mitzvahs here that we could discuss. Says the Torah. Perachah beis pasik lamid. Vianshe kodesh tihiyunli. Be holy people for me. Parenthetically, as the Kutzker says, Anshe kodesh. Be holy. I don't need holy angels. I have enough angels. Anshe kodesh. Be anshe kodesh. Be holy people. Right? We're supposed to be people. We're not supposed to be angels. Be involved in the world. Anshe kodesh tihiyunli, says the Kutzker. Let's continue now. Anshe kodesh tihiyunli. One is not allowed to eat basar in the field trefa. Trefa halachigli is an animal that had some problem, even if it had shchita, it had some other problem with it, some non-kosher, non-kosher piece of meat. Send it to the dogs. Give it to the dogs. We discussed last year an unbelievable thought from the Dasakanimi Baliatosis, why Dafka the dogs? Not going to get back into that right now. This year, let's see the words of Rav Mordechai Eliyahu in the Divrei Mordechai. Source number three. He quotes Rashi. First he quotes Rashi. What's the connection between the first half of the Pasuk and the second half? An Kodesh, be holy people and throw the trephas to the dogs. Imatem Kedoshim, uprushim, mishikutse nevelos v'trephos. If you are holy and separated from... Nevelos and trefos and disgusting matter of eating, hareatem shali, then you're mine. Anshe kodesh li, you'll be me, you'll be for me, as long as you follow the halacha later in this pasuk. And if not, you're not. Lamedcha hakasov she'ena kodesh baruchu makabeach schal kobirya. This also teaches us that Hashem takes note and does not take away any little reward or schar from any creature. Shenemar, as we learned, a week or two ago, Ulachal Bnei Yisrael, O Yechras Kelov Lashono, when Bnei Yisrael, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, no dog made a sound. Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu, forever, for eternity, Tnulo Scharo. Pay, pay the dog, give the dog the trefa. So ask the Divrei Mordechai. Hadvarim Tzrichin Biyur. Mibnei Ma Yesh Litin Schar Leklavim Ama Asayim. What was so amazing about what the dogs did? So unbelievable that forevermore, for eternity, we have to give them the piece of meat to Trefa. They wanted to bark. They wanted to make noise. Hashem said they can't bark. That was an ace. The dog wanted to bark, but Hashem kept them quiet. So, what can we learn from that? What's the message? Right, everyone talks about, oh, Hakaras HaTov, even to the dog. Hashem made them do it. Hashem, they wanted to bark. Hashem controlled their barks. So what are we supposed to get out of this halacha? What's the message? Mistaver. Let me throw in one other question that he answers at the end. It's fascinating. Never really thought about this before. We know in halacha, especially Hilchas Pesach time, we talk about when food is edible. If it's edible, it's not edible, it's not called chametz, it's called chametz. What's the Hagdara? What's the level of definition? Ah, oh, if it's roy for an animal to eat. But what's the Hagdara in Chazal? Roy lachilas kelef. Why a dog? Because that's what people have around? Why isn't it roy lachilas chatul? Roy lachilas aryeh? Because you don't know what a lion would eat? Why is a dog picked? Roy lachilas kelef. Says Rav Mordechai Mistaver line three. Shav pasuk romeis lanu al mispar advarim shidit al lilmo benakelev biyachas lavodes Hashem shalanu. By the way, a similar question is asked. 
by the Gemara Psachim about the frogs. We're supposed to learn a Kavachomer from the frogs. They jumped into the ovens. We've discussed that in other contexts. But says Rav Mordechai we can learn a few things from the dogs. I'll mention, he says, two. Racious, number one. First, we can learn. The dogs wanted to bark, yes. And Hashem made them not bark. But you know what that teaches us? Hakelav malamid osanu al hayecholas l'shlita al atzmenu v'altavasenu. We could control what we're naturally destined or inclined to do. We could control our desire to do something. Hashem told the dogs he might have given them special divine help, but he said, "You dogs, you always bark. You're not going to bark. You're not going to bark." And this is what the Jews are going to see as they become a nation. As they become free people. And they're able to do whatever they want without any slave master telling them. They'll have control of their time. They'll be free. Give them the message. They can control their natural tendencies. Against their natural desire. Mashlu ba'atzmam they didn't say a word. Again, with divine help. But that's the message for us. And what's the first half of the Pasuk? You want to be holy? Learn from the dogs. Learn from the dogs. Not everything that comes naturally is appropriate and is divinely blessed. You want to get schar? Like the dogs got schar for overcoming their natural tendencies? Turning over. So do Hashem tells us, We can naturally... Right, there's a lot we could eat, but but we don't. Reminds us a little bit of the Medrash, the Medrash that uh, we've quoted in the past. Hayam Rav Ayanos, the the Yam saw and split. The Medrash on uh, on the pasuk in Hallel. What did the Medrash say? What did the Yam see? Rav Ayanos, Ra Arono Shel Yosef. What was the Arono Shel Yosef? What's the Medrash? Uh, the, uh, Yosef's coffin. The Yam saw and and then a split. What did the Yam do? It went against its natural tendency. Water flows downstream. And what did the Yam do? It went against its natural tendency. It split. Where'd that koa come from? Hayam Ra. Ra, Ronosho Yosef. Yosef overcame the natural desire of a human being in the situation that he was in. He overcame nature, so the Yam overcame nature. And that's the dog. The same dogs. Anshe Kodeshen. You want to be a holy nation? It means we have to control ourselves. And we have to know exactly what's appropriate for us and what's not appropriate for us. And what's definitional to what we need and what's above. And maybe he says, maybe that's the Roy Lachilas Kelev. Because a dog is the symbol then for us of, you know, cons- not consciously, but able to suppress, able to not go beyond the appropriate behavior. That's the lo yechvatz kelav l'shono. So roi lachilas kelav. If it's roi, it's appropriate for his eating habits. V'lachin line eleven. Achilas kelav. He madad le'isr chametz. Why is that used? Lo marlocha. Kishem shakelav ino ochel kol davar. Elamak masharoilo. A kelav would eat also. He's expanding. What is appropriate? Kacha gama adam mechuyav. Lishar v'lechol masharoilo. Right. It fits in. Perfectly to the Ramban of Kedoshim Tiyu, right? Kedoshim, to overcome our natural tendencies to only do what, what is appropriate. He says in the last paragraph, just a Dover Nosaf about dogs that, you could, that we can learn, that we dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that just like a dog finds his parnasa, well, so too. We should be able to find our parnasa Berevach, and maybe that's a little added. You give it to the dog. The dog is always taken care of. The dog can always find what to eat. So we also dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that 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 is true as well. Okay. Moving right along. Perech of Gimel. Perech of Gimel, Pasuk Base. Beginning of Perech of Gimel. Says the Torah, Lo tihyeh acharei rabim l'raos. 
do not follow a majority liraos for the bad. This is, sounds like a halacha. Doesn't sound like a mitzvah. Sounds like a halacha. Don't follow the majority liraos. Rashi already says, we're not even going to go through the details. Rashi here has a long Rashi. Yesh b'mikrazeh medrashei chachme Yisrael. There are many drushes, but there are many halachis. But we learn a mitzvah from this pasuk. The mitzvah is, even though it says lo tiacher avon l'raos, there are certain majorities not to follow. But we learn from this pasuk that an appropriate majority we're supposed to follow. This is a mitzvah daraisa, one of the 613, source number 5. The Sefer Achinach counts, mitzvah ayin chetz, mitzvah hataya acharei rabim. A mitzvah for the bezdin to follow the majority. Says the Sefer Achinach, Lintos Achreya Rabim, Vahu, Kishipo Machlokes, Benachachamim, Bedin Midini Atarakula. Whatever there's a Machlokes amongst the rabbis. Ukamochin Bedin Prati, Klomar, Bedin Shebin, Rubin Lashimon. Or between Dayanim of a city, whatever it is. Achre Rabim Wahatos. Hochinach Arov. That's a Din Daraisa, but it's also a Mitzvah Daraisa to follow the majority. Let's skip this, the, uh, the rest of the paragraph for a minute. Let's go down first to the Shorish of the Mitzvah. Line 25, and then we'll come back. What's the Tam? As we know, the, the, the amazing, one of the amazing qualities of the Sefer HaChinuch, in contrast to all the other Sefer HaMitzvahs, is that he also gives Hashkafa. He also gives the Tam behind the Mitzvah. Says the Sefer HaChinuch, line 25, Mishorshi HaMitzvah Zunitztavinu, Bazeh, L'chazekiyam Datenu. This mitzvah is about strengthening our religion. Strengthening the functioning of our religion. If we were told, here's the Torah, everybody do what you want. Everybody make your own decisions. Figure it out. Imagine what the religion would be like. There are some religions out there like that. Right? Do what you like, do what you feel. Says the Sefer HaChinuch. That's not what Yadus is about. I think I think this. The whole world could be against me. The whole world think this is a good idea and I think it's a bad idea. Vice versa. If I believe in something and the whole world believes in something else, if we didn't have this Pasuk, I would have to follow what I think is right. It would be a self-destructive religion. Because everybody would follow whatever they think and we will be splintered even more than we're splintered now with only one Torah. But now says the Chinuch. And again, obviously, in an ideal world, we'll have a Sanhedrin with the 71 greatest rabbis of the generation and the next greatest rabbi sitting in front of them. And they'll talk about it and make decisions for the good of Klai Yisrael. So in that type of setting, it's unbelievable. The unity that will be fostered by following the majority of the great rabbis. And following this, we will be following what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. Similar to the concept of right? Hashem wants us to be as united as possible. But there is an interesting halacha that's quoted by the Rishonim and then expanded upon by the Achronim. And the halacha now go back, let's go back to the first half. The other part that's underlined, line number eight. Says the Sefer Achinach, there's a limitation. There's a limitation on following the majority. If the sides in the argument are what we would call in the same league, so then you follow the majority. If you have a hundred fools and thirty-five that say something, you don't go by the majority because it's not fair. You can't put them on the same scale. Even if you have six hundred thousand fools saying something, if Ramosha Feinstein and Rav Zalman and all the greats get together, they win. Majority is only if they're all major leaguers. 
אבל בהשוואה שהחכמה או בקרב, הודיעתנו התורה שריבו ידיעות יסכימו לעולם אל האמס, an amazing line. The Torah is telling us that when you all have in the same league the great Sanhedrin, the majority is always going to get mechuvan, closer to the MS than the minority. And even if I think they're wrong, let's say I'm in the minority. Right? I have to follow the majority even if I'm outvoted. That's the concept of Zakin Mamre. That we, what, we have to give in if the majority feels otherwise. And that is the limit, says the Sefer HaChinuch. It has to be equal. Once you're in the major leagues, the continues the Chinuch, we're not going to differentiate between Gadol Hadar A and Gadol Hadar B. It could be that the top four in the Sanhedrin are the greatest, and what if, what if some of them are outvoted? That we're not going to be Machalik within. Ein Ladaver Sof, every single person. But once you're in the Sanhedrin, once you're in the in the that category, so then he says Sanhedrin line nineteen. Shabahem lo nedaktek biosam cholkin ezekat yodaz yoser. Right, we're not going to do that. Ela olam nasikadivrei harov mehem. Once you're in that league, it's all good. Rav Salvecha quoted this halacha. We might have touched on this once before. Rav Shechter quotes this in Nefesh Arav in source number six, and he gave an illustration. As only Reb Salvechik could do. Says the Reb Salvechik, Shamati mi Rabbeinu, when we learn Sanhedrin, Surah 6, Demai da'azli basaruba livso kebeis hila neged beishamai. Lomro basha beishamai hai machadadi tvei. We pass in like beis hilel. Even though beishamai, the Gemara says, we're smarter. Hani mili. You know why you go by the majority there? You go like beis hilel because they're the majority, even though beishamai were sharper. Hanimili, exactly what the Sefer Achinach said. They're in the same sug, the same type. So you don't say Basaruba. He says, I ain't Sefer Achinach. Right, you look there. And then he says, Rasulvejik said, in Yiddish, for example, if my grandfather, Chaim Brisker, said uh, an opinion about something in Awacha, and all the other rabbis of the generation said something else. Obviously, my grandfather wins. Obviously, different league. Different league, said Reb Salvation. Okay, that's how he viewed, you know, different league. And I look in the footnote there, there's a quote that I've seen in others from also. There of Chaim Ozer, the Achiezer, the Gadol Ador, in the previous generation from Vilna. He also once was talking about the safer, the different levels of being. We you know the Kuzari's four levels of being. The domain, the inanimate objects, the Tzomeach, the growers, Chai, the animal kingdom, Medaber, people on top, he said there's one other category. Domain, Tzomeach, Chai, Medaber, Reb Chaim. says, different category, different category of Bria. Right, that's the, in the Ha'ara you have there on the bottom of source number seven. He discusses that as well there. One application of this idea. But there's another fascinating application. Not exactly the same, but very similar. If you turn the page... In Rebbechanan, in the Kovitz Mamarim, the Mamarim that we'll put together from Rebbechanan Wasserman, the first Mamar, the first half of it is quoted a little more than the part that you have in front of you. The first half is where Rebbechanan discusses, is belief in God logical? Is the person, is the farmer out in Idaho, the atheist, when he goes up to Shemaim after 120 years, is he going to be held accountable for not believing in God? That's his question. Is it something that's logical? That even if you didn't have a teacher, you should have figured it out by yourself. That's his discussion. And he says, yes. He says, yes. Logical. Just look around the world. Look around. Look at, look at biology. Look at the animal kingdom. Just open to like the Ramam says, because you saw the Torah. Just look at the world. Just look around. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is screaming at us. So then Rabbi Khanan asks, so why are there so many very smart people that don't believe? Why are there so many great philosophers in the days of the Rishonim that didn't believe? How is that possible if it's so logical and these were brilliant, brilliant philosophers? Sir Abulchanan says, now we pick it up in Source 8 and we'll get to where our Pasuk comes in a little bit uh, in the second half of this. Says Rabbalchanan, the answer, beginning of Source 8, the solution to this riddle of how it is if belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so obvious how is it possible that many don't? 
The Torah tells us. The Torah tells us in Parsha Shoftim. Do not take bribe bribes. Bribes, favoritism will blind the eyes of the wise. The Torah calls them wise and says even they will be blinded. And the Gemara even says, or the Mepharshim, Moshe Rabbeinu would not be able, would be usher for him to take a bribe. It's so strange, says Rabbi Hanan. Moshe Baron, if you slip them some money, they're going to lie. They're going to not, you know, be honest. They're not going to do it on purpose, for sure they're not going to do it on purpose. But the second, what's the Torah being Megala? The second that I have a Nagia, the second that I have a vested interest, I can't, I'm, I'm not objective anymore. It's finished. It's natural. Once I have a, a, a Nagia, a vested interest, some reason why I'm weighted to one side, it's not in my power to be perfectly, totally objective. Ki aver That's what it says. My emotion, I wouldn't even call it emotion, my desires, my, my uh, hopes, that will blind my vision. Yes, it depends how, how wise and how strong the desire. He says there are stories, the ones at the end of Ksubis, all the all the Shochat stories, these great rabbis that, you know, somebody comes, could you do could you uh, do me a favor? You have a tissue? Sure. Here's a tissue. Can you judge my case? Sorry. You gave me a tissue. I can't judge your case anymore. For giving a tissue? The the Amorim said sorry, because they knew this. I can't be fully objective. Says Rebel Khanan then. If somebody has is has a little nigia about not wanting to believe in Akadash Baruchu, it could put on all new. It could color my whole vision of the world, right? If I put on, if I say, many of us in the room are wearing glasses, right? If I have glasses on and they're dirty glasses, that could be a gorgeous, unbelievable sight in the room. But if my glasses are dirty, the whole thing's going to look dirty. It could be amazing, but I'm going to see it differently because of my glasses. There are intellectual glasses. And if my glasses aren't crystal clear, then everything's going to be warped and everything's going to be tainted. And he says that's why. He says that's why many throughout history, if they if we, they would have the power to be totally objective, yes, God, no, God, you look around. It's obvious, says Rabbi Chana. Obviously, there's a lot more to talk about this. But he says, that's why we daven. What is Achilavavchem? Says the Chazal, line 39 now, Zuminus. Right? What, what does that mean? Because following our hearts could lead to minus, could lead to heresy, because it affects our objectivity. So, related to this, what does this all have to do with us? Let's turn the page now for a minute and say the Tumim, Rabbi and Ibishitz, the Tumim was once asked by the great rabbis of his generation. It says in Parshish Bishpatim, it says in your Bible, you have to follow the majority. The majority of the world doesn't believe what you guys believe in. So we must be right. He asks the Tumim. Give it up. The majority of the world, you are the smallest, the Jews, the Orthodox Jews, the believing Jews, the minority, ship a minority, ship a minority. So one answer could be, as the Chinuch said, as others say, there's different leagues of wisdom. He gives a different answer. The Tumim gave a different answer. You only go by the majority if there's a suffix. If you're not sure what the answer is. But if it's a Vadai, it's not up to a vote. If there's a rock and people are debating whether it's a rock or a tree, you don't go to a vote. It's a rock. You have nine kosher butchers and one trade butcher. You go after the majority. But what if the 
piece of meat has a label on it that it says it's from the minority shop. Obviously, it's from the minority shop. It doesn't matter that there are nine kosher butcher shops here. It's a vadai. We know a Kaddish Baruch who exists. It doesn't matter what the majority is because this is not up to a vote. Says Rabbi Khanan, But then he, Rabbi Khanan, says his own. He says, and I don't think the whole quite have a different answer. Everybody else has Nagiyas and they're not objective. So again, they can't be Dayanim in this case. Line 27. They don't have any ulterior connected motives. A relative. You can't be a Nogeya Badaver. Even Moshe and Aaron can't be a Nogeya Badaver. You know what it's like, says Avachanan? Imagine. Line 39. Look at this, Marshal. Let's say you walk past a bar and there's a bunch of drunken people in the bar, right, rolling around and they can't keep their head on straight. We're a hundred drunkards and you're, you're not drunk. We must be right. Right? And how we're behaving. The answer is no, you're drunk. You can't, you can't be objective. You're drunk with what? You can be drunk with wine. You can be drunk with reasons not to believe in God. You can be drunk with a lot of things. But if you're not thinking clearly, then they don't get a vote. So it says Rabbi Hanan, the majority doesn't apply. Number one, we said, if they're in a different league. That was the Sefer HaChinuch. That was Rabbi Salvechik. Number two, it doesn't apply if there's a Vadai and there's no Suffolk. That was the Tumim's answer to the Umos HaOlam. And number three, it doesn't apply if there's a lack of objectivity, if there is Shochad involved. Okay, moving right along. Moving right along, Chav Gimel Zayin. So we haven't quoted from this in a while, so let's have a story from the Tuvcha Yabiyu. Tuvcha Yabiyu, one of Rav Zilberstein's earlier svarim, Perech Chav Gimel Pasuk Zayin, the Pasuk tells us, Midvar Sheker Tirchak. Stay far away from Sheker. Midvar Sheker, don't, doesn't even say don't lie. Don't even come close. Midvar Sheker Tirchak, say far away. So as he quotes a story from, not too many stories said about him, from the Machsas HaShekel. Who's the Machsas HaShekel? Everybody's opened up a Shulchan Aruch and Arachayim. On the bottom of the page is the Machsas HaShekel, who has a commentary on the Magen Avram and the Taz, explaining, expanding on the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, what we call a super commentary, a commentary on a commentary, explaining us the Magen Avram. The Machsas HaShekel, the Mishabura quotes him every three pages. The Machsas HaShekel. Says the Machsas HaShekel, or the story that Rav Zilberstein relates about the Machsas HaShekel from a couple hundred years ago. Kama Pikarsis, first he says, there are many people that believe out there, how could you live with being totally honest? You can't. You can't have to be honest always. Believe Sheker, Yefter, Listadar, B'chayim. You can't. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta lie. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you're at a, at a, at a, at a place, you're with your kids, and the age, five and up, hey, why? Okay, my kids, he just turned that last month, okay, a little, little stretch of, you know, this is, this is life. So people think that way. That you have to stretch, stretch the truth. Maybe the truth, part of the truth, or the truth, the whole truth, but not nothing but the truth, right? That's why there's a whole phrase like that, because it has to exclude, you know, any type of sheker. Just saying the truth is not good enough. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You have to say all three so that nobody has any any misconceptions. Like like Rachel, Bitcha, Haktana, right? It's very, very details. So, Machsas HaShakel teaches us that you could be honest. Sipurim Rabim, Sipurim Doli Yisrael, line six. There are many stories told over the generations about our greats that would not mention a word of Sheker. And one of them is here from Rabbi Machsa Shekel, Rabbi Shmuel Kalin, line 12, the commentary on the bottom of the Shulchan Aruch, that you can never lose. This was at a time period which, Rahman al-Aslan, happened often over the past thousand years, blood libels. Blood libels against the Jewish people, especially around Pesach time. We discussed that last year in the Haggadah year, why Dafka Pesach time, 
was blood libels. Why? Because dafka in the matzah? Is it just a practical issue or is there something more? But either way, blood libels, Pesach time. And the matzah shekel was friendly with one of the governmental officials, the, prime, the governor of that area. So whenever there was a problem, they, they tried to, to create certain uh, rumors and the matzah shekel always was able to you know, protect the, the Jewish interests. Jewish interests. And he discussed it and said, they always try to frame us, etc. So here we go. One time, there was the following case. Vehine line 31. There was a, a non-Jewish child that was found dead by the river, and there was a knife right next to him. Vitahom kalaiya, the whole ear started shaking. Hasaf suf yatzakvay al rechova yudim. Amaraz lishchovelitz balach, and the whole the mobs <coughs> went into the street. Oh, must have been a Jew, must have been a Jew. And the Moshel, the governor, quickly he knew his friend the Machsa Shakel. He went out. He sent his police to get rid of the mobs to protect the Jews. But he told his police chief, "Go, go investigate. Go investigate. You know what happened." Let's see what's happening. There was something very strange and scary about this. The knife that was found right next to the body was a knife from the house of none other than the Machsas Hashekel. HaMoshel B'Chamat Zamo Obviously, the governor was up in arms. He calls to the Magzah Shekel and says, I'll be the first to kill you. If this is what you do, by the connections that we have, our relationship, let's wait to the judgment. Let's get to the court, and I'll be there. I'll be there ready. And the whole Jewish community was up in arms. They didn't know what to happen, and they hired the super-duper best lawyer, Orech Din, that they could come up with. And the... Lawyer comes to speak to his client and he says, okay, let's think of a strategy. First thing is, you got to deny it's your knife. You have to deny it. Well, that's, that's, you don't get to first base. You have to deny it's your knife. And the Lachla Shekel says, what are you, crazy? It's my knife. It's my, I have no idea how it got there, but it's my knife. I'm not saying that it's not my knife. And the lawyer says, no, you can't. You can't. You're going to lose. You're going you're gonna to be killed. You can't admit to that. And the Machzah Shekel says, I'm not lying. It's my knife. Line 47. Yes, it's from our house. I don't know how it got there. I don't know who the murderer is. But if the judge asks me if it's my knife, I'm not going to lie. And the lawyer doesn't know what to do. He says, I'll try my best, but I think you're not giving me too much hope. So they go in, everybody gathers around for the court case, and all the children, everybody, and the Higia Eitam Mishpat, line 6, Vagoyim, Farshif Shifu Yedeim, they're ready to get to the Machsa Shekel, and the judge asked the first question, the million dollar question, line 9, Ein Edim Shesakin Zushelcha, there are no witnesses that this is your knife, great rabbi. But people say it, it is your knife. What do you have to say? Line 11, Adoni HaShofet. Ani Ober Pam Nosefet. I will repeat. The knife is my knife. And I have no idea who killed this child or how the knife got there. At that moment, the judge turns to the prosecutor and says, Ra'u Rabosai, Hayesh Ish Emes Yoter Could there be anybody more honest than this rabbi? He didn't have to admit to that. I've tr- I've been trying to allude to him. There's no witnesses, are you sure? And he's stubborn. He's stubbornly sticking to his story that it's his knife. You're telling me he committed murder? It's kind of like a Migu that we would have in Alacha. I, Mavato Vadin, finished, case closed. But wait, all of a sudden the Tobea says, I have an aid that it's his knife. So he couldn't have denied it anyway. And all of a sudden, 
the Mishares, one of the servants that worked in the house of the Machzaz HaShekel, gets up and says, line 23, <laughs> Have you ever seen this knife before? Lo heishif ha'eid. No, aval ani makir at kol asakinim shebebeit harav. I see that knife that you're holding, but I know every knife in the Beit Harav. I don't know what knife you have there, but I know every knife on the in the house of the Machzah Shekel. There's a mark, there's a scratch, there's an indentation right next to the hole on the upper edge. The Shofei looks, finds the Charitz finds the, the indentation. No! The Shofei turns to the Machzah Shekel. Ma yesh l'chalomer achshav? What could you could say now? We know from elsewhere that it's your knife. So now what? Says the Machzah Shekel, I'm going to change my story now. Ani rotel achzorbi. Everybody jumps up and says, what? You're going to change now? You're going to deny it? Says the Machzah Shekel, no. I'm not changing that part of the story. It's my knife. But now I'm going to change my story that I have no idea who killed the child. Now I know who killed the child. So they say, what do you mean? How do you know? The Hitzbiya al ha'eit. He pointed at the witness. The eight started shaking and shaking and he admitted to the crime. And everybody asked the Machzah Shekel, how do you know? It says the Machzah Shekel, you could come to my house and look. I only have one knife in my house with an indentation right next to the hole. And if he didn't see that knife while it's up there and he just identified it by knowledge, then there's only one way that he can know that that was the knife that was taken to be used by the river. And there you have your guilty party. Says the Machzah Shekel, being honest is always the way to go. Midvar Sheker Tirchak. Okay. Getting back to Parshavarts. Here we go. Perech of Dalit, So we are moving now into the last section of the Parsha. As we know, the end of Mishpatim has Matan Torah, Maimed Arsinai, take two. Right? We had Maimed Arsinai in Parsha's Yisrael, Maimed Arsinai in Parsha's Mishpatim. We mentioned, I think, seven years ago or eight years ago, the Briskarov. Why is it split up into two parts? There's the Torah is about mitzvos, and Torah is about a covenant, a bris, between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why Parshas Yisro is all about mitzvos, Aseros Adibros, and Mishpatim is all about Krisas bris. The marriage itself, the wedding ceremony, between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Who are the ones who do the, who help Moshe out? What happens in the end of Mishpatim? Moshe builds a Mizbeach, and he brings the Karbanos. Who are the ones that help Moshe out? The Na'arim. Who are the Na'arim? Rashi tells us. We'll talk about this uh, another time a little more. But Rashi quotes, Who are the Na'arim in Yisrael? The firstborns. The firstborns are the one that helped Moshe Rabbeinu out in Perach of Dalid, Pasuke, Na'arei Habachoros. Interesting that the firstborns had special status here. If you look, When did their special status start? So one would think their special status started two weeks ago. Makas Bechoros. That's when the firstborns achieved a special status. But, as we know, if you read Sefer Bracious, there's a special status before Makas Bechoros. And one might even say that Makas Bechoros happened because the firstborns in Mitzrayim had a special status. So, what is the, when did the special status of the firstborn start? So, the place to look would be in the Sefer, Pidyon HaBen Kihilchaso. If you look in the introduction, if you don't know anything about Pidyon HaBen or firstborns, that's where you have to look. So if you look in the introduction to the Sefer, Pidyon HaBen Kihilchaso, he discusses and catalogs five stages in the history of firstborns. Five stages. Five separate parts of history. Source number 12. Stage number one is from the beginning of history. Inherently, firsts are always special. Firsts are special, right? Bereshis bara elokim, the first word of the Torah. Bishvil reishis, bishvil haTorah, bishvil am Yisrael shenikra reishis, bishvil bikurim shenikra reishis. Firsts 
are always special. Truma, Chalabikurim, Torah, Yisrael. First, Kain and Hevel. Right? What's the difference between their karbanos? Kain gives and Hevel gives. Mi Bechorotsono. Umechel Behen. The firsts. Firsts are inherently special. Line 17. Ma'alas ukdushas habachor bitivo. Naturally, firsts are unique. Klomar, me'etzem tivo, ume'ez briato, shorel of kdusha misuyemes, umalas rabos. This special mailus to bachor to a firstborn. Mitchilas biryaso shal olam habachoros mishamshin. And that's why, when Akadish Barakal created the world, the original plan, so to speak, were for the firstborns to serve God. And that's the whole Yaakov and Esav story. Right? Why did Yaakov want the Bechorah? Esav was the Bechor. He knew the firstborn was special and he wasn't. So he wanted somehow to get as much of the Bechor as we can. Adam Arishon, Bechorah Shaladam, Hikrev Karbanos, Hevel, Bechulu. That's stage one in history of firstborns. Naturally, there's something special about them. And that's why you might say even in Mitzrayim they were special because firstborns are special. I'm not a firstborn. I'm the baby. Stage number two, line 25. Be'ez Makas Bechoros. At the time of Makas Bechoros, now something changed. Nizkacho Bechoros Bektushem Yuchedes. Now firstborns, not only, it's not something just because natural, but they owe God. It's not just a privilege, but it's an obligation. God saved you. God separated you from the firstborns of the Egyptians. And now it's not just a nice thing to do, a beautiful privilege, but it is a responsibility for you to have to do. Right? Line 30. May Osa Shah Nefcha Vodas Akodesh Lachova Alabachorim Velolis Chusbovad. Still the firstborns. Number two. And then number three, line 35. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us a mitzvah to sanctify the firstborns. The end of Parsha's bow. Kadesh li kol b'chor. Petar kol rechem b'vnei Yisrael. Vavarta b'chor behemah tahora. B'chor adam. We have a mitzvah to sanctify. Not only did they have a responsibility, but then HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us a tzivui that they have to be sanctified. Along with that also went... Stage four, the mitzvah of Pidyon Haben. We could be podeh, b'char adam, by paying money. Who do we give the money to? Fascinating. You ever think before? The Egel. Who did, by the mitzvah of Pidyon? Line, uh, line 47. After stage 3, where we have a mitzvah to sanctify them, then there's a mitzvah to remove, not remove, but change the kedusha onto money. And there is a discussion. He quotes on line 52, right, when uh, the, the, the kedusha in the midbar, the chulu, and there's a discussion who received this money at this stage. Until finally, the last tragic stage, Cheta Egel. When they lost their special obligation, not status. Firstborn still had a special status. There's Pishnayim, and there's still the, the Mitzvah Pidyon Aben, but they lost their privilege and obligation of Avoda. And that was Cheta Egel, the final stage. And the firstborns lost something, but they still remain something special. We discussed in the past also why the Minag of Tainus Bechorim on Erev Pesach. Why is that? Maybe it's remembering stage three. Maybe it's davening that the Zohar says that when Mashiach comes, the firstborns are going to have a, a portion back in the Avodah. So either way, this is, as we read our Parsha, and we discuss the firstborns doing the Avodah. And Maimed Sinai, that was the only time in history they ever did the Avodah. Because that was after stage four, before stage five. Okay, moving right along, two more discussions that we are going to have. Two more discussions, let's try to squeeze it in what we have time for. Pasig Yud Aleph. Just Pashib Shat. Now we're just going to focus on a phrase and see how different we can understand the Pasik in the various Mepharshim. So what happens? 
Vayiru let's start with Pasuk Yud. Vayiru, we're so brainwashed sometimes from Rashi, in a good way. It's good to be brainwashed by Rashi. But sometimes we are influenced by Rashi that we, we can't see outside. This is a perfect example. Vayiru as okay Yisrael, some, they had some vision. Amisol had some vision of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Vesachas, Raglav, Kamaisa, Livnes, HaSapir, etc. Pasuk Yud Aleph. Ve'el atzilei b'nei Yisrael lo shalach yado. To the nobles, let's translate them as, Hashem did not send his hand. They saw Hashem, whatever, on some level, some divine image. And they ate and they drank. What is Pasuk Yedalaf telling us? So Rashi tells us, it's telling us something terrible. Right? They looked and they shouldn't have looked and they didn't have proper covid. Hashem. What does it mean? Lo shalach Hashem wanted to punish them on that day. He wanted to punish them. But you know what? He delayed. He didn't want to ruin the simcha on that day of Maimon Ar Sinai. So he delayed. Lo shalach Rashi, uh, Rashi says, Michlal They were fitting to get a punishment. Rashi. They were looking at the divine with with a, with an inappropriate gaze. Mitoch achila vishistia. They were busy eating and drinking. How could you eat and drink at a time like this? So Rashi interprets the pasuk as Hashem wanted to punish them because they were busy eating and drinking, and he held back. Rashi continues and says, "Va'unkelis lo tirgim kain. Unkelis didn't give my pshat." Many times we don't look at the Unkelis when Rashi quotes. Unkelis doesn't say, okay, I just did Rashi, it's fine. But Rashi says, Unkelis doesn't agree with me, so we might as well look at Unkelis. Unkelis says, how does Unkelis understand this? Vachazo Dashem, they saw the covenant of Hashem, Vahavi Chadon Bekarbanehon. They were so happy giving their Karbanos, the Iskabalu Barava, that their Karbanos were accepted by God, Ki'ilu as if they were having a big party. Uncle says, the Pasuk is just telling me they were unbelievably happy. As if they were having a big party. They didn't actually eat. That's Uncleus. But there's another way of looking at it. Says the Kleyakar, the great Darshan from Prague, 1500s. He doesn't quote it. Maybe he didn't have it. But the exact same idea is found in the Svarno, in the Rishonim. But the Klayakar says it, he says, totally different shot. This Pusik is alluding to us a Yesod that all of us know and we have discussed many times in our Parsha Shiurim. He quotes Rashi, he doesn't like Rashi for various reasons. Line 9. Venerally, Shibalahoros, Ahevdo, Beinavuas, Moshe, Lenavuasam. You know what this Pusik is teaching me? It's just alluding to us the difference between Nevuas, Moshe, Rabbeinu, and all other prophets and prophecies. We've mentioned the Rambam writes in Hilchot Yisrael Torah the four differences between Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevuah, Moshe Rabbeinu and all other Nevi'im, but one of them is that all other Nevi'im could still be involved in the world. You don't have to be porish from your wife. You don't have to separate. You can be involved in the world and still be a Navi. Not Moshe Rabbeinu. Even Moshe and Ar- even Aaron and Miriam didn't realize that until Parshas Baaloscha. Says the Klayakar. We don't have time to read it inside. That's what the Pasik's saying. What does Lo Shalach Yado mean? Both the Klayakar and the Svarna quote a Pasik in Yechezkel, Paraglam Ezayin. Yad Hashem means a vision of prophecy. The Pasik says in Yechezkel, line 10, Haisa Allah Yad Hashem. The Yad Hashem was upon me. That's a way of saying Nevuah. Way of saying Nevuah. Because Moshe was close to the Shechina, he was constantly in that state of Amidu Lofnei Hashem, and that's why he had to separate. But the Zakenim, and Adav and all of the other Atzilim, it was given to them, but they could still be involved in the world. They weren't like Moshe Rabbeinu, that couldn't eat and drink on Har Sinai, or be involved. No! They ate and drank and still got the Nevuah. That's what the Pasuk is saying. At that moment, at that moment, they weren't having the Aspaklaria Meir like Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore, they're not on the level of Moshe. But still, 
they were still involved in Gashmias, in the world, maybe not at that moment, but after they had the vision, they could go back to eating and drinking. It's not like Moshe Rabbeinu on our Sinai. This is, this is our Sinai. So it's emphasizing to us the contrast between Moshe Rabbeinu, who's not going to eat and drink for 40 days and 40 nights, and everybody else, even the greats of our nation. And the Svarno says it in short, as he always does, in Source 15. He didn't send an intense divine prophecy. In order to take them out of their of their natural humanness, like Moshe Rabbeinu. Not that. No. Line ten. No. Asu mishtacharechein bilti hishtanus bechushehem, without any change. Afterwards, v'zeh asu l'simcha mashesiku. They were happy. Rashi says it's a negative. Hashem didn't punish them. The klayakar, the svarno, and I might add, Rav Hirsch in his commentary in Source 16 says something very similar. They all quote this pasuk in Yecheskel. Lo shalach yado, because it's saying not saying anything negative. It's just describing the difference between Moshe and the others. Rav Hirsch even picks up on the difference between the verb, Vayechezu, and in the previous Pasuk, Vayiru. Re'iyah is much more clear. Here there was only Vayechezu. It was with less clarity. It was further away. And therefore, it was, therefore it was very different. Okay. We have time for one more. One more thought. And, uh, or shall we save this one? Last thought, maybe we'll, uh, then, uh, maybe we'll, we'll stop here. Last thought, no, one more? Okay, one more, we'll squeeze in. Fine. Says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. One more thought. It's about Maimon Arsini, we'll squeeze it in. Moshe Rabbeinu was on the mountain, 40 days and 40 nights. We'll say it quickly, we're not going to read it all inside. Rabbi Yaakov asked a number of questions that might have bothered many of us. We'll just get in, mention a number of his questions. He says, we have a mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Source 18. But if you think about it, there have been more changes to the mitzvah of Talmud Torah than to any mitzvah in our religion. L'chorah says Rabbi Yaakov, Moshe Rabbeinu and Rabbi Akiva and the Rambam all shook the same kind of lulav that we shake. And they blew a shofar like we shake blow a shofar. And we, you know, their tefillin might not have been as, as square or as black, but they wore tefillin, lulav. All the mitzvahs, basically, they did like we do. Talmud Torah, totally different. And he quotes many different questions, but this is the basic idea, right? What was originally? There was Torah Shabbat Peh and there was Torah Shabbat Chsav. What do we have today? He says it's basically flipped. Torah Shabbat Peh is written down. Mishnah and Gemara. Torah Shabbat Chsav, we quote Pesukim by heart. Right, we we sound like we daven. We were in a sitter. That's not called a bechsav. Right, we all say it without without uh, without a cloth. So we flip it. Right, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, Ben Chamesh Lamikra, Ben Esel Mishnah. How many Jews do that today? Okay, one school here, one school there. But most major, almost all major educational institutions for the past hundreds of years don't follow what it says in Pirkei Avos. Why? The Torah Shabbat You read the Gemaras in Baba Basra about at this age you send the child to this and then you send the child to this and then this is as many kids and this is... It's all different. It's different than what the Gemara says. It's different than what the, what the Rambam says. Why is there so much change in this mitzvah of Talmud Torah? And he quotes all the different um, ways of learning and a couple of other questions along the way. But says Rabbi Yaakov, are you so gadol? All other mitzvahs are objective. You do the mitzvah, it's a ma'isah mitzvah. Talmud Torah. Look at his lashon on the bottom left. Hamaisa hu hamagdir es tsuras mitzvah halimud. Ofen kiyuma v'chomer hanilbad tsuraso v'tachano. Says Rabbi Yaakov, the best mode of learning to affect my life is the mode of learning that's demanded and required in that generation. It changes over time, because not because chas v'shalom, any halacha changes, or any Torah changes, but the avenues, the conduits, the ways that we transmit 
Torah are going to change based on the realities. So only the transferring ways change. Similar, we've discussed in the past, the halachas is that all the chatzotzros in the Mishkan are new every generation. The message being, because when you awaken people and inspire people, you got to go with the times. We can't use the same inspiration from 100 years ago, or I might add even 10 years ago, that we do today. Says Rabbi Yaakov, Talmud Torah is unique in that way. Yes, we learn differently than what Rabbi Yudanasi did. And we learn differently than the Rambam and Rabbi Akiva. And even we learn differently. You know, many of us learn differently. You know, we might be listening to this on the computer. Right? We learn differently, Bisman Hazeh. But you know what? That's the godless, the elastic nature of the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. We don't change anything. But we adapt. We adapt the ways that we transmit Torah and learn Torah to the realities of the Jews of that time, of that generation, and we make it relevant. And we make it important and we make it part of our lives. So that's the goal that we try, all of us, always try to do, to try to make Torah as lamaisa and as infectious in our lives in the best way possible uh, that we can. Again, today's shear was uh, sponsored by my parents, Lila Nishbas, my grandfather, Rabbi Mitchell Oskolsky, Harav Michal Shimon, Ben Rav Yaakov, and all the Divrei Torah tonight that we said should be an aliyah for his neshama.